Welcome again to Change Your Mind About You, where we are on a journey together to awaken to our true identity. I'm your host, Kevin Mack, and today's topic is one of the most counterintuitive topics that I have ever discussed in the realm of human experience. It has to do with embracing our pain. The topic of pain is not a subject we human beings like to discuss. In fact, we've been conditioned, especially here in the Western world, to avoid pain at all costs. Yet Jesus had a lot to say about pain and how to manage it for our benefit. He also modeled this behavior for his followers perfectly. The prophet Isaiah prophetically wrote about Jesus' life experience back in Isaiah chapter 53. We're going to start reading in verse 3. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. As a human being, Jesus felt the need to be accepted by his fellow humans just like any of us. And like with each of us, the pain of rejection that he faced obviously caused him to suffer. Isaiah continues in verse 3. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. So most of the people of his time wanted nothing to do with him and wanted nothing to do with his message. Thus, in verse 4 of Isaiah 53, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Jesus shared in our suffering, in other words. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. Now, Jesus suffered in every way that we do, as it tells us in Hebrews 4 and verse 15. He truly was a flesh and blood human being that shared our very life experience. Yet his own family thought he was out of his mind, as it says in Mark 3.21. That's where the statement of Isaiah, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. His family thought he was out of his mind. But he was not out of his mind. Rather, he was a human being with a passionate desire to demonstrate to humanity that each of us is much, much more than we believe ourselves to be. Let's continue in Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. The reason Jesus embraced his extensive suffering was to learn from what the suffering had to teach him as it says in Hebrews 5 and verse 8. Yes, suffering is a teacher. 
The Hebrew verb translated crushed there in verse 5 of Isaiah 53 is dakah, D-A-K-A, which can also be translated as humbled, which is consistent with the intent that we see in Hebrews 5 verse 8. In fact, let's go and let's look at that verse in context. And then what we're also going to see, we're going to come upon a a phrase that's very likely a surprise to many Christians. Let's go there now. Hebrews chapter 5 and verses 7 through 9. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And now verse 9, And once made perfect. He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Jesus, first of all, had to learn from the suffering in order to be made perfect. This can only mean that Jesus recognized the value of suffering to enable him to reach the perfection that was the desire of his heart. He understood that as a flesh-and-blood human being, that God lives within all of us. Yet the, let the life of the divine, that life of the divine, can only be expressed through our willingness to receive the lessons that only suffering can teach. Yet as a rule, fallen humanity abhors suffering. Thus, we try to avoid it altogether. Or when it inevitably occurs, we complain about it and even blame others for it. Therefore, we don't learn the lessons that suffering comes to teach us. Let's go back to Isaiah 53 now in verse 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now that statement, the iniquity of us all, here describes the events that occurred during the crucifixion, as outlined in verses 7 through 9 of Isaiah 53 that follow. When we do not accept what suffering has to teach us, we end up projecting it onto others. That's what happened to Jesus at his crucifixion, as described in verses 7 through 9 of Isaiah 53. It is in this way that the iniquity of all was laid upon Jesus. Let's move down now to verse 11 of Isaiah 53. Yet, after he suffered... He will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. The Masoretic text here says about verse 11, or, or translates verse 11 rather as, 
after he has suffered, he will see the fruit of his suffering and will be satisfied. And an alternate way of translating the second part of verse 11 is by knowledge of him, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. So as a son of God, Jesus knows the Father, Mother, God. He understood that the greatest commandment in the law begins with the phrase, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. As it said in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. Also, through his identity in Christ, he is one with God as it says in John 10 and verse 30. And since Christ is in all and is all, as it says in Colossians 3.11, that means all of us are in reality at one with God, which is how Christ can bear the iniquities of us all. This understanding that he has describes at least in part what the grace and knowledge of Christ is. And it is the recollection of this knowledge that suffering is meant to bring back to our minds. Furthermore, that knowledge was never meant to belong solely to Jesus. He was to be the first among many to follow him, as it says in Romans 8.29. Thus, he commands his disciples to follow him, and specifically to do so by embracing rather than avoiding suffering. In all three of the Synoptic Gospels, Jesus states to his disciples the following, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. He said that in Matthew 16, 24, Mark 8, 34, and Luke 9, 23. And when he said this, Jesus is outlining, in effect, a three-step process that results in following him. The very first step that he mentions there is to deny yourself. As we stated earlier, human beings, particularly those of us in the Western world today, want to avoid pain and suffering at all costs. In fact, it is the avoidance of necessary pain that is at the root of addictions of all kinds from which we suffer in our modern world. This unwillingness to allow pain to do its work is plainly evident by the behavior of the disciples in the Gospels. Let's look there. Once his disciples were convinced that Jesus indeed was the long-awaited Messiah, he began to teach them about the pain and suffering he was about to endure. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16 now, 
in verses 21 through 23 and read about what happens next. So from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Verse 22, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. In this passage here, I want us to turn I want us to turn our attentions rather to Peter. Just moments earlier, it was this same Peter who identified Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of the Living God, back the, back in Matthew chapter sixteen and verse sixteen. And upon hearing from this same Messiah moments later that Jesus, his close friend, was to suffer at the hands of the religious leaders and ultimately be killed, Peter gave what I would call a typical human response in verse 22, didn't he? No human being wants a close friend who they love to be killed. You don't want someone you love to suffer. So the way Jesus responds in verse 23 must have shocked both Peter and the rest of the disciples present to the core. Jesus had accepted the necessity of suffering and death at the leader's hands to fulfill the will of God, which Peter and the rest of the disciples simply couldn't comprehend. To Peter and the rest of the disciples, Jesus was the long-awaited king who would finally redeem Israel and release them from Roman oppression. He can't die now before he does all that. Here, my friends, is a supreme example of human thought and behavior that demonstrates to us that the will of God and the will of humanity are at odds. They were then, and they remain so today. So to deny ourselves means to deny our human will and reverently submit to God's will, as Jesus did. And reverently submitting to God's will requires embracing the second step in the process of following Jesus, which he describes as taking up your cross. Just before Jesus was arrested and tried and convicted, he went up to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. Now let's take a closer look at what happened there. Let's read from Matthew chapter 26 and verses 37 through 39. He took Peter, Jesus did, and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here 
and keep watch with me. Going a little further, verse 39, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Here Jesus, by expressing his extreme sorrow to the disciples, lets them know how he is feeling. Jesus is in touch with his own feelings, and he expresses those feelings to his disciples. But he does not ask them to take the feeling away from him. He prays to God to do that. You know, it's been said that suffering equals pain times resistance. Jesus, by detecting how much his suffering had intensified, recognized that he had to give his pain to God and not resist God's will so that his suffering would become bearable. Part of why he went through and did this and asked his disciples to keep watch with him was to teach the disciples how to treat overwhelming sorrow by his example. Yet, in verse 40 of Matthew 26, when he returned to his disciples, he found them sleeping. Part of the awakening to God's presence in our world is the way in which our father-mother takes the pain as we eliminate resistance to God's will. As we awaken to God's presence and really believe he is there, he will, if we offer him our pain, he will take the pain away as we seek to do his will and humble ourselves. Taking away the pain in using it constructively, then, is God's part. But removing a resistance to God's will and humbling ourselves to do it is our part. To conclude our message today, let's turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and verses 2 through 4. The Apostle James there wrote, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The word translated trials in verse 2 implies an experience that is piercing. In other words, painful, as in nails at the cross. So James here is teaching us to have a different attitude towards painful experience. He says to consider them pure joy. Why? Because such experiences produce 
perseverance or patient endurance. And it is patient endurance that such painful experiences teach that cause us to return to maturity in Christ. Complete, lacking nothing. When we reach that point of lacking nothing, we have succeeded in following Jesus. We become the lights to the world that all of us are intended to be. Well, that's all I have for you today. Thank you for listening to Change Your Mind About You. I certainly hope that today's episode has been of value to you. Your comments and questions are therefore always welcome. Please direct all correspondence by email to kevinmack at changeyourmindaboutyou.com. That's kevinmack at changeyourmindaboutyou.com. Thank you once again for joining me today. This is your host, Kevin Mack, wishing you a pleasant day wherever you may be. And until we meet again, take good care and be well, my friends. Bye.